Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Now, Leon Tailoring is also well-known, we all know, for their tailor-made clothes, but you also know they're ready for their custom-made and ready-made clothing as well. That's right, clothes that are right there on the rack that you can buy and pick up, and they'll make the alterations included in the price. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. And of course, then you know, if they want something tailor-made specifically just for you, then they can do it. So whether it's tailor-made, whether it's ready-made, or whether it's custom-made, it is for you and you specifically. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. They'll be happy to see you and happy to take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Uh, because one thing I wanted to ask you uh, was about uh, Joe Hogshead. Our, our guest on the program today is Andrew Weissert. Andrew is a uh, pollster at ARW Strategies. He polls for uh, lots of folks. We also have fortunate to have him poll for, for us at Indie Politics, my, my uh, media company. And we looked at uh, statewide candidates, looked at some local candidates as well. Uh, look, Going back to, to local, uh, obviously, uh, this is a midterm election, so we, we do a little bit of looking in the future. Uh, Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogshead, who served two terms, uh, is debating whether to run a third term. What did our polling tell you? Well, so we looked ahead, and I think what's important to remember for your listeners is that, you know, this polling was done looking at a likely electorate for the general election. So um, this is going to be not a perfect scenario for what the expected electorate will look like uh, for a municipal race. Um, but it's, you know, it's an interesting exercise to see where voters look, you know, how voters view the mayor's performance. Uh, and 35 percent say that he does deserve to be reelected. Um, 28% say he does not. 37% are unsure. Um, again, looking under the hood at this, I think it's kind of interesting among uh, self-identifying Democrats. Just 52% say that the mayor deserves to be re-election, while 44% are untrue. So there's some natural lift, I think, uh, that ultimately happens uh, to his deserved re-election. You see this phenomenon a lot where Voters, when presented with an actual candidate versus, uh, you know, a, a made up imaginary figure who they can make to, you know, they make to be whoever they want to be uh, a shining knight, in, you know, white armor. Um, they often don't give as high approval ratings or as high deserved reelection chances uh, to those who are actual concrete people. And so I think amongst those Democrats, you'll see that number absent, you know, another strong Democrat challenge to the mayor. Uh, I would guess that a lot of those Democrats ultimately come home. And so if you start at 35 and you know start to grow, I, I think that the mayor does have a strong foundation. Um, but among those who say he does not deserve re-election, we look at some of the important issues. Uh, 49% say fighting crime. Um, 20% say improving the area's infrastructure. Of those who are unsure whether he deserves re-election, 24%, that's the number one issue, say crime. 17% say infrastructure. So uh, if you're a, a candidate looking at running, um, I think, you know, crime Infrastructure, those are two strong pieces, uh, two issues that you can run on uh, that clearly the mayor has some weakness on. Um, but on the flip side, if you're the mayor, I think, you know, you know that, OK, I have some time right now. I don't have an actual opponent. Uh, I can go to work on some of those issues on crime and on infrastructure. And I think it's interesting, too, because we asked uh, what issue is most important uh, to you for the city council to focus on. And number one was uh, crime. And number two was roads and infrastructure. Imagine that. I, yeah, I mean, and it's not even just number one and number two. That's uh, it's nearly 51 percent of, of what voters chose. Uh, 30 percent for fighting crime, 21 uh, percent for improving the area's roads and infrastructure. So this isn't a fragmented, 
view of what issues uh, need to be focused on. I mean, it's pretty clear cut that that crime and infrastructure are two very important issues for voters uh, in in the Marion County area. Uh, my friend, uh, I can I couldn't do a poll without asking my favorite marijuana question. You know me. You know me well enough uh, for that. And it seems like uh, about I would say about seventy seven percent of Hoosiers. Uh, Think of the marijuana should be legalized for recreational and medicinal purposes, or just medicinal purposes. I mean, this is uh, this is pretty overwhelming numbers. Um, you know, fifty three percent, as you said, support full legalization. Twenty four percent support legalization for at least medicinal use only. Um, and, and to me, two things stand out. Number one, just fifteen percent overall oppose it. And when you look at, okay, what happens if Indianapolis decides they want to take up this issue? Uh, The two biggest barriers to supporting legalization are naturally Republicans and seniors. Uh, But even among those, it's just 24 percent of seniors oppose, just 25 percent of Republicans oppose legalization of any kind. That those are those are not overwhelming pluralities or even you know majorities at all that's that's minor opposition to those issues and so if if you're if you're winning over the messaging with seniors and with republicans on an issue like marijuana uh something tells me that you know this is a pretty non-controversial issue at this point uh, my friend i want to take a few minutes and talk to you about uh sort of your, your methodology because one of the things what we got as we as we posted this uh our data online was there was a classic i don't trust polls or my personal favorite, nobody ever called me and asked me my opinion. Like, well, usually you, would, the number wouldn't show up, or so you probably didn't answer. They probably did try to call you. Yeah, look, we in a poll like this where you get you know 600 interviews statewide and oversample into Marion County, so we can balance out Marion County. Uh, you know, for that 900 interview or about 800 interviews when you uh, are able to mix some of the statewide with Marion County. I mean, we're making tens of thousands of, of voter attempts. And so, uh, yeah, there's a very good chance that we likely tried to reach out to you um, or maybe not because Indiana is a big state. Uh, and so you either didn't answer or we didn't target you because with polling, what you're looking is a scientific uh, sample of the overall population. So we don't need to talk to everybody. Uh, we need to get a representative sample, and that's where margin of error comes in, um, you know, uh, uh, confidence interval, uh, those things. These are not perfect, you know, one-to-one um questions that we're asking every voter. It it is a scientific sample. Uh, And so we went out and we collected the live interviews to landlines uh, and text to online surveys to cell phones. Uh, And and then from there, when you get your sample, we do balance, uh, although not heavily, um, you know, looking at what a modeled likely electorate for the 2022 general election would be. uh, And that's, you know, using things like gender, age, race, geography, uh, and, and sort of historical precedent for how we would project this out. So, yes, there is a margin of error to every poll. Uh, that's statistics. Uh, and so there is uh, a possibility that some of these numbers move around a little bit. Um, but again, polling is, is not predictive. It's, uh, it's either a snapshot in time or prescriptive, uh, depending on how you want to look at it. And so I think, you know, based on what we, we saw over the summer and the year, you do see some trends, but you also see some, some very interesting snapshots with where the electorate stands right now.
And it's also, I think it's too interesting, my friend, because of all the, all the grief that pollsters got back in 2016, uh, I would argue that the polls weren't necessarily wrong. It was just we were, we're, looking, at them, we're looking at them the wrong way. Because I want to say back in 2016, the polls had Hillary winning, and she did win the, the popular vote, but it's the electoral vote that actually matters. That's correct. That's, that's a really good point. And I think what's important when you look at even the House of Representatives this time around, you know, if you if you lay out how the popular vote goes and, and you see nationwide polls of likely voters and they look at the generic ballot, you know, even a generic ballot with a with a Democrat, you know, plus one or two advantage. Uh, the way that districts are drawn in, in in the United States and in each state, uh, that still keeps Republicans competitive and uh, likely leads to Republicans taking control of the House. And so to your point on the Electoral College and the popular vote, um, we vote by the Electoral College and people can criticize it. They can champion it. Uh, but you can't argue that that is the way we vote. And so the popular vote is indeed different uh, from the Electoral College. And in 2016, uh, there were a lot of signs where, uh, okay, maybe Joe Biden is winning the popular vote. But in the five or six swing states that typically determine a presidential election, Donald Trump's super competitive. So just because he's losing by four to five points nationally in the popular vote doesn't mean that he couldn't win the presidency. And my friend, uh, as we get ready to wind down here, one, uh, one, one, my second to last question: How do we determine what's a good poll versus what's a bad poll? I think transparency is the easiest. And when I look at a, a quote-unquote bad poll, uh, I think it's it's a pollster who uh, number one doesn't give you transparency into their demographics. Um, because then you have no way of knowing, okay, well, you know, is this a poll that's 90% male and 10% female? Um, Transparency is key, number one. And number two, uh, a pollster that doesn't typically release, you know, any sort of cross-tab data and is coy on that uh, typically is trying to hide something. Um, But if a pollster is transparent uh, in what they're putting out there, I think, you know, generally speaking, uh, they are making an effort to be credible. Um, and so people have the ability to look at it and look at, you know, compare it to other polls, compare it to historical data uh, and say, OK, this typically makes sense. Although one thing I would caution, and I think you saw this uh, with some some problems in public polling um, in sort of 2016 and even in 2020 is uh, people have sort of revisionist armchair quarterback fixes for how to fix polls. Uh, And so there is an expectation sometimes with the public where it's, oh, well, this doesn't have this and this I know to be true. Uh, And so this this must be an incorrect poll. And so good polling is going to adapt to what they're seeing in the raw data. Uh, And so just because a poll maybe doesn't seem like what you believe the electorate to to potentially look like doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong because the pollster could be seeing something in the data whether that's response rates um or you know some other data point that they see uh that indicates to them that you know maybe this looks like higher male enthusiasm or higher uh youth enthusiasm um there's a lot of factors that play into that but i think transparency is is the number one indicator for a good versus bad poll uh final question for you my friend uh i know you're uh, based in my home state of illinois uh anything in this poll that sort of surprised you or like huh that's interesting honestly the biggest thing that surprised me were the todd young numbers i um i think I, along with probably most other people who um, maybe not necessarily in the weeds day to day, 
Uh, I don't know what uh, the senator's team thinks. I don't know what Tom McDermott's team really thinks, although I know they obviously had a poll uh, that had the race super close. Uh, maybe they see something different. I'm sure they're running tracking polls consistently. Um, I, I would have thought that that delta between Todd Young and McDermott would have been a little greater. Um, but obviously, you know, this is why you run polling to see if there's problems, uh, to see if maybe the, uh, the reality is different from expectation. Um, but ultimately it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it comes down to what happens on election day. All right. And our guest on the program, ironically, that is what uh, Todd Young and Diego Morales both said too, that the only poll that matters is election day. So, yep. <laughs> That's right. Take, take that with it for what you will, folks. Our guest on the program today has been our good friend, Andrew Weissert, uh, ARW Strategies, my pollster for Indy Politics. Andrew, my friend, as always, sir, thank you very, very much. Always enjoyed working with you this year and looking forward to next year and, and future years. I appreciate the opportunity to work with you on this. These are always fascinating projects, and uh, thank you for letting me join you today. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.